Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a fourth episode of Ballers Paradise Podcast. I'm Alex Arbogast, back today with a fourth episode for you guys. Hope you guys are having a great day. Max not here today again. Um, you know, what we're going to try and do is try and do a two-episode, uh, two-person episode, and a one-person episode just so we can keep content going out for you guys. And making sure you're having a great time listening to our podcast for whatever reason you decide to listen to it for, whether it's mowing the lawn, doing chores around the house, or just for your daily uh, car ride to and from work and or school. But other than that, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day. I am today. It's Wednesday. Um, hump day. So we're closer to the weekend. Thank goodness. So, you know, uh, guys, thanks, thanks for the support, first and foremost. Um you know, I hope you guys have been enjoying our, our uh, first two episodes. We I just uploaded the third one uh, discussing our all-time uh, top 10 NBA, all-time top 10 NBA uh, players. Mac and I get into a really heated uh, debate in some places. Uh, some people will get a little frustrated with my list, but, you know, it's my opinion. And I bring the facts and logistics into it. So to me, that's all that matters. As long as I can back it up with facts and logistics, that's all that really matters to me. But... I think, guys, I think we should start with uh, getting into today's episode. So our first topic right now is obviously, I don't know if you've heard around the league or not, but the NBA just passed uh, stricter tampering rules. And one of the bigger things that I can remember right now is that uh, five random random audits uh, will be done each team. Well, not each team, but five random teams will be audited every season. Uh, big market, small market, medium market, whatever. They'll be audited, so they'll get all the legal get all the information, you know, phone records, uh, you know, face-to-face conversation records, uh, you know, th- things of that nature. And look them over, make sure they weren't tampering or trying to um, evade the rules, if you will, try to sneak around them. I, you know, to me, the, these kind of it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. I'll say a, I'll say in a good way because you're gonna catch people that are disobeying the rules and they're trying to make it better for themselves so people could say for example with the Kawhi Leonard Paul George thing obviously we've heard that they've talked during the offseason Paul George went to OKC then requested a trade and then he got the trade went to the Clippers and that's how Kawhi signed um you know I have speculations of last season with LeBron in the Lakers um you know obviously with LeBron mostly in the AD trade having Rich Paul as his agent Anthony Davis's agent do all that stuff just so LeBron could get AD to try and win again, even though they will not win again, in my opinion. And then, obviously, the James Jones thing with Tyson Chandler. We all know how big I am on that. Um, you know, there really isn't much more that I can think of with last with last season, but I know that the league is going to crack down on this. And I like that they're doing this because you're going to see things like this possibly come out in the audits, for sure. You're definitely going to see better management of tampering you're going to see probably a more balanced league if if silver does this right there's going to be a better balanced league where stars aren't going to go all over the place we're going to see another golden state again where there's five all-stars on one team i'm pretty sure that's not going to happen if silver enforces this rule as hard as he can because we've seen this in the past and Matt can i say this in the third episode where silver really hasn't been that forceful and that formative with his uh, rules. You know, he doesn't really force them very well. He's kind of like a laid back kind of commissioner. Doesn't really make you fear the rules, if you will. So 
I'm hoping that he enforces this one very, very well in the sense that I mean, you're catching guys that are doing this wrong and you can punish them for it, whether it's you know, what was reported, a $10 million fine for the team potentially is the highest you could go. And then the player gets fined like 50000 I think. Uh, you know, I don't have the exact details in front of me right now. But I know for a fact that I like how the league is taking this approach to try and help. Uh, now the smaller market teams which just help limit tampering within the league. Uh, we all know what happened with Ben Simmons and Magic Johnson, obviously. And we also know with uh, Rob Palenka last season as well. Uh, but the newest thing that just came out actually was reported, I think, Monday. If my memory serves me correctly, if not Friday. Um, Milwaukee Bucks got fined $50,000 for uh, general manager John Hurst, I think is his name. Uh, city council meeting. They went to, He went to city council and publicly announced that the Bucks are going to try and offer Giannis Antetokounmpo the Supermax contract whenever he's eligible for it. Now, that is also part of the new rules where you can't publicly say when you're going to do stuff, I guess, according to this. I really would say when you're publicly gonna gonna do stuff, I think it would. I think this probably means you know like, okay, you can't say like two years ahead. Uh, you're gonna sign to a max, you know, super max, super max extension, and then, uh, or you're gonna announce that you're gonna trade someone or something like that. I don't know the full logistics of it. Again, I'm just trying to paraphrase what I've seen through this but to me this shows me that the league is cracking down on this now to me do i think this really deserves a fine you know i think everyone expected this so for him to say it publicly i guess you could say a fine would be in order for this i really don't know if it's really warranted a fine though to be honest with you because it's a super max extension it's something that we all know that Giannis is the reigning mvp of the nba we all knew that he was Milwaukee's star, and they wanted him long-term. We, we all knew that. You know, let's not kid ourselves here. So to me, I'd say this fine is maybe a little bit unwarranted. Maybe a $25,000 fine would have been fine, I guess. To me, at least, because this was all common knowledge to even people that don't study the game as much as I do. I'll know that, okay, you have your star player in Milwaukee, you're going to try to do everything that you can to keep him in Milwaukee, whether it's the Supermax or, you know, trades, getting a better player, whatever whatever the case may be. Point is, you're going to do everything you can to keep your star player and publicly announcing the Supermax. You know, it, it is good and bad, but, you know, obviously we're seeing the bad side of it with the $50,000 fine. But, you know, Giannis probably already knew that they were going to offer him that Magic Max, Super Max extension coming out. I think, I think it's next summer when he's eligible for it, if not later in the season. But to me, this fine was kind of unwarranted because it was already common knowledge. I think 25000 would have been better for me, at least, in my opinion, because, you know, they already knew this. Giannis probably already knew it. Heck, Mac probably knows this in his couch right now, you know. Who who knows, you know, Matt, you know, this, this was just, to me, really a sign that shows me that the leak is cracking down on this. Now, the Supermax thing, the extension, you know, we already knew that. So, I don't know if this is really tampering, per se, but I will say that you can see the league is enforcing one of their new rules already. And that's good because, like I said earlier, 
Silver is a little bit of a passive commissioner when he's enforcing rules. So to show that the league is already enforcing this kind of a rule to a team that's publicly saying something in a city council meeting that was videotaped uh, you know, publicly and stuff like that, it sh- shows me that they're really trying really hard to enforce this rule. It is great to see. It is fantastic to see. So let's move on to our next topic, and that would be uh, who's going to be or who's going to have the better season. Pardon me, Russell Westbrook or Paul George. To me, I'm going to say Paul George. Now, obviously, one of the big reasons why I chose this is because you know, these guys were former teammates. Now they are on separate teams, different teams. Obviously, they're both not on OKC again. Um, you know, Russ spent the first, I believe, nine, ten years of his career. In OKC, Paul George spent the last two in OKC. So to me, <coughs> excuse me. So to me, I think it's gonna be Paul George because his skill set fits in perfectly with the Clippers. They're a tough, uh, gritty, rough-nosed team that plays great defense. And yes, he's coming off a soldier, shoulder surgery, but he's a very great two-way player. He fits the culture there. And plus, he's got a coach in Doc Rivers that I know is going to even elevate him to maybe even his Pacers years where he was up for MVP a couple times. I could see that level of Paul George being there for the Clippers. Now, don't get me wrong. He's going to be second fiddle to Kawhi Leonard, which is another reason why I chose these two because obviously he's going to be second to Kawhi and Russ is going to be second to Harden. But to me, when I'm looking at them... Comparing them to who I think is going to be have the better season, it's going to be Paul George. He's going to get more touches. He's, in my opinion, I think he might be the better player than Russell Westbrook. But he plays two ways. He's always one of the league leader, league leaders in steals. He knows how to be a leader on both ends of the floor, just like Kawhi Leonard is. But you're going to have Doc Rivers, probably a better Paul George. You're going to have a Clippers team that has expectations coming into the season to win a title. And with Kawhi's mentorship on that team showing Paul George, hey, this is how we're going to do this. We're both on our primes. I'm going to teach you the ways of how to win a championship, and we're going to try and go do it. I think that's really going to go over with Paul George. Now, now let's flip the coin and go Russell Westbrook. He's got a coach of Mike D'Antoni, a very, very studly offensive coach. Let's not kid ourselves. He's got one of the best offenses in the league. He's had it for the last two, three years. You know, let's not kid ourselves here. The big, the big problem with Russell is that, you know, the last season he didn't shoot his free throws well. He shot 66% from the free throw line, I think, last season. And then from three-point land, I think he shot about 29 30%. I'd have to look it up, but it's around there somewhat. D'Antoni's offense is transition and threes. That's basically a try and outscore your opponent. Russell's still pretty decent on the defensive end, but his offense is starting to la- to to slide down a little bit, if you will, you know, from the stock chart go down with his shooting and his athleticism. Now he relied on his athleticism a lot when he was younger, just like Derrick Rose, but you know he. Did have three major injuries, but he was still a very productive player after those after those injuries. He can't really shoot the ball well 
And people are not going to respect him. If he's open in the corner, he takes a three. Obviously, they're going to be four or five feet away and try to get a rebound because they don't respect his shot. He hasn't been falling very well within the past couple years. So that's something Russ has to work on a little bit is his shooting. Now, he is still a great defender. I'm not going to say elite. He'll get like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard elite by any means. Or even, you know, Katie and Giannis to and Anthony Davis. You know, let's throw those five in there. Is what I think are the top five star defenders in the NBA right now. On both sides of the floor. Russell is still pretty athletic. I'm not going to lie. He's still pretty athletic. So, in D'Antoni's system, he'll be able to get out on the break pretty decently and either kick it to Harden or Shooter or go in for you know, one of his amazing dunks or finish at the rim with a layup or dunk. He'll be able to get his points that way. But D'Antoni's system is going to be challenging because both these guys are ball-dominant guards. They're very, very ball-dominant. Harden, we, we all know with Harden, he had the crazy season last season, still didn't win MVP. I still think Giannis should have won it. That's my personal opinion. Um, Harden, 36 a game, about seven rebounds, about seven rebounds, eight assists, I think, roughly. I'd have to go look. But he has the ball in his hands for at least 35 minutes at the time he's out there. He doesn't. They don't really move him around off of screens very much. Um, it's most of the time just an ISO at the top of the key or off of a wing. Russell's is more of uh, just a flat out, you know, just ISO like Harden's. And they don't really move off of screens very much. So I think really someone's going to have to move off a of screen. I think it's going to be Harden. I think Harden's going to have to move off the screens more because he is the better shooter than Russell Westbrook. Let's not deny that. I'm just trying to think of how we could implement a different way into Houston's offense because Russell is just a a really good defensive finisher right now in his career. This is what he is right now, a defensive finisher. His shooting is going to have to improve this offseason and throughout the season to be what he was. He still had a pretty, he had a decent shot before all, before he started to decline. So now he's going to have to try and get that shot back and then really show people, hey, I'm right up there with Steph Curry because right now it is Steph, probably Damian Lillard, then Kyrie Irving, and then probably Russell Westbrook. Then the fifth, you know, that one's a hard one. You know, that, that one's honestly a really hard one. I'd have to think about who's the fifth best point guard in the NBA right now, but The way how D'Antoni's system is, I really don't think Russell's going to be that featured in it because Harden's there. And it's not going to work out for his play style. He needs to improve in the in the offseason. I think he's going to do that very, very well. I, th- I think he will improve. I don't know how well he's going to improve, but I know that he's going to improve and be a better player. But I still think Paul George is going to because... Doc is a fantastic coach. He's won a championship. He's won at least one coach of the year from what I can think of. And 
He just knows how to get the best out of players. He just knows how to do it. D'Antoni, you know, he's already said on the Woj pod, um, which I'm listening to right now, that that episode specifically. Uh, you know, he said they're they're going to tweak it, but they're not going to change very much of it. You know, they'll, they'll tweak it a little bit, but you know, to say that they can't do it, you know, to, to him it's BS. But to to me, I need I need I need to see how this offense is going to work with them too. Until until I see it, I'm not going to say okay they can win a championship because you know they're still going to be pretty good. Don't get me wrong, it could be a top one or two seed in the regular season, but when come postseason, how's that going to work out? So I'm going to take Paul George over Russell Westbrook for the better season because of opportunity, because of style of play, and because of you know coaching system in a way, and also mentorship. Because another thing with this is, you know, like I said earlier, Kawhi has won a championship before twice. He's won two finals MVPs, so he knows what it takes. Harden doesn't know that yet. He's been to a couple conference finals. So he knows what it's like to get there. Russell, you know, both him and Russell have been to a finals before, but that was seven years ago. So they need to learn how to play, not only play, play together, but how to advance and make sure that each other are healthy and able to do well in the playoffs because the playoffs are going to be an amazing thing this year. We all know that they're going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be fun to watch. But to me, I have to take Paul George over Russell Westbrook for the better season. So here, our third topic was, has been something that you know, Mac and I have talked about a lot, and that was the better player on the 2011 Miami Heat team, LeBron James or Dwayne Wade. Now we all know, everyone in Ohio burned LeBron's jersey when he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach in Miami. Okay, we all know that. Everyone was in free agency. They made a big three in free agency. And they went to the finals four years and only won two. Well, in that first year, a lot of people speculated whether or not LeBron had what it take to get to the finals with this team. A lot of people say LeBron James is the better player of that 2011 team. And I'm going to say they're wrong. I'm going to say Dwayne Wade was the better player on that team. And I'm going to say why. Okay. We're going to look at the 2019 Championship Raptors team as a great example of this. Okay. That that Miami Heat team back in 2010 had Dwayne Wade. That was it. Okay. I can't think of any other players on that team to really, you know, compare it to the players on the Raptors. Okay, so I'll just start out with Dwayne Wade. D Wade was like Kawhi Leonard this past season. And what I mean by that is he mentored LeBron, just like just like Kawhi Leonard mentored Kyle Lowry, you know, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam. Uh, you know, Dan Green was there to help with support, all that stuff, okay? So he was like the Dwayne Wade of this Heat team for the Raptors. Trying to get them out of the championship mode to, hey, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we can win a title, but we got to do it this way. And with the help of, you know, Dick Nurse and all the other guys, I think we can win the title this year, okay? So this is what, this is Dwayne Wade be ta- talking to LeBron and Bosch and all the other guys, okay? Because Dwayne Wade's won, I won a title in 06 with Shaquille O'Neal, and got the finals MVP. You know, that sounds really familiar, like Kawhi did this past season, okay? But, taking another superstar, like LeBron James, and having to teach him that stuff, takes time. And that's why you saw the Heat get off to that slow start that they did in 2011. 
Dwayne Wade had to make sure that LeBron knew the importance of sacrifice and knew the value of his leadership and all of that stuff put into one. He had to make sure that LeBron knew that to not only go win another title in 2016, which can be debated whether or not they really should have won it or not, in my opinion. But to go win that title, he had to learn from Dwayne Wade, okay? Dwayne Wade set all set the stage for LeBron to go out and do his thing in the regular season, okay? So we know that LeBron was the better player in the regular season. But postseason, the leadership of Dwayne Wade, helping that team get past the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, to face Dallas, obviously. Dwayne Wade took a step forward that season and said, I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to be the number one guy. And to me, I think he was the number one guy on the team. He showed it every night on, in the regular season. Yes, he may not have had the statistics that LeBron did. And LeBron won the MVP that year. We know we know all that, okay? We know. Leadership-wise, LeBron didn't have that great a leadership on that team. You know, let's be flat out honest, he didn't. In 07, he got swept in the finals by the Spurs. And he had to go learn things from someone. And it it was a it's it was a great thing that he was friends with Dwayne Wade. Because he went down there, learned a bunch of things from D. Wade. And that's how he was able to capture that championship in 2012. He took what Dwayne Wade taught him in 2011. He used it in the playoffs of that year. Yes, they came, I'm sure, but we also saw LeBron not be as clutch as he should have been in those finals and pass up on a lot of shots. And Dwayne Wade went back to him again in the offseason and said, hey, we've got to work on this, okay? We've got to we got to do this and this and that. And we get, we got to make sure that we're focused on this. So that's what they did in the offseason. They focused, they re-upped, they put in, you know, you know whatever they did. They, they did a bunch of stuff that offseason. So then you see in 2012 finals, going up against the OKC Thunder, OKC wins in game one. And people are thinking to themselves, oh no, this might be a repeat of 2011. Okay. I was hoping OKC would win that series because KD was on the team and everyone knows that I'm a huge KD fan. But you saw in Le- you saw a different LeBron James in that series. Saw more mature Le- I don't want to say more mature. I'll say a, a better focused LeBron James, a more minded LeBron James. You also see a smarter LeBron James in that series. You see him say, okay, let me use this stuff that DOA has taught me to go use on the court now and win us a championship. And that's what he did. He won them that championship. Dwayne Wade in 2011 showed to the world, and to LeBron James. I'm still the guy on the team. You came to my team, the Miami Heat, and now I've got to mentor you and show you what it's like to be a champion. Yes, they came up short in 2011, but they still made it, and we saw a version of LeBron that we never thought we'd see. Well, I shouldn't necessarily say that, because you know you, you saw a little bit of that passive aggressiveness and Cleveland, too. But Dwayne Wade was the better player on that 2011 Heat team, in my opinion, solely because of the fact that he had to lead a player that everyone calls better than him in LeBron James. Lead him in the offseason of that time. He was better in the playoffs, too, because he performed a little bit better than LeBron, even though the statistics will say different. But I'm talking, lead, so I'm talking specifically leadership-wise. 
LeBron James was not as great of a leader as Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was a better player because not only did he lead on the court, he led off the court. And he showed LeBron the different ways. He showed him what it was like to be clutch in the playoffs, even though he technically was a little bit in that in the Cleveland days. You know, to not be so passive aggressive. He showed him a bunch of things that LeBron did not know that LeBron now knows to pass on to the younger generation of what to do in the playoffs, so on and so forth. Okay. So. Let's get on to my off-topic topic. And this is, you know, a, a little bit of a touchy subject, I guess. It's funny I say the word touchy because there's another word that comes with touchy and it's what um, a lot of us uh, say touchy in, in place of this word just because it's easier to say. Sensitivity. Okay. A lot of us are sensitive. Let's not deny that. I want to specifically talk about the sensitivity of this generation. And specifically because I was watching the news this morning with my dad. And Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch, a beer company. Um, uh, basically in, I believe it was college football game day, there was a guy that had a sign for a GoFundMe page for beer, and the guy got so much money that Anheuser-Busch decided to match whatever he uh, made his, made on his GoFundMe page. They were going to match it. Well, a story came out today. At least this is when I'm hearing it today, okay? That they are pulling that agreement with him and donating their own money. They're not going to match his. They're going to donate their own kind of money and it's like 300000 I think. Don't quote me on it. But they pulled their offer because of tweets that he and a friend were bantering about eight years in the future. I mean, not future. Eight years in the past, okay? This was eight tweets that this guy had eight years ago that they found all over the internet. And they decided to pull it away, okay? I have a big issue with this, Okay? This is eight years ago. Okay. This guy has changed ways. This guy has learned from his past. And yet you're still going to remind the kid, or the gentleman, however old he is, I can't remember. You're going to remind him that because of what you did eight years ago, we're not going to support you. That is very, very sensitive. And just because of, I understand it was because of, you know, uh, racial stuff that he said. Yes, I get that. You know, but that was eight years ago. You know, he's a changed man. I'm pretty sure he doesn't use that language anymore. Okay. But if we're going back to this specific generation, and this is where I have a problem with our generation, you literally cannot say the word idiot and someone will get in a fist fight with you. You cannot say the R word. The R word is retard. You can't call some someone that jokingly. As I, you know, growing up, people people would say that all the time to me in high school, middle school, even though I was not, you know, mentally challenged. People would say that to me in a joking manner. You know, I was like, okay, I'll just brush it off. But my little brother is going through high school now. 
And he doesn't like it whenever I say it, just to joke around with people and say, oh, you know, that guy's in whatever, you know. He's like, oh, you can't say the R word. I I understand that, um, you know, some people's uh, siblings and stuff may be, um, you know, me- mentally challenged. I get that. As well, but just hit the table. I'm sorry. I, I do I do understand that some people's siblings and themselves are mentally challenged. I get that. I, I completely get that. But if you can't call someone an idiot to their face jokingly without getting into a fist fight, if you cannot take stuff not serious anymore, then what's the point of hanging out with someone that can't do that? I like to be around someone. You know, Mac is a great example of this. Mac and I joke around, make fun of each other, we all do, and we just laugh it off because, you know, we know we're not serious. But there are people in this world, in this generation, that are so darn sensitive. You say one thing to them, and they're going to bend over backwards like they are in their grave. Like, it, it, it's honestly ridiculous. It honestly is. I feel like I can't be myself because people are so stinking sensitive anymore. You know, I, I, I am a guy that likes to joke around and have fun and, you know, I, you know, I have to watch what I say because it's just, like, I always, I've always watched what I've said. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've always done that. Always. I've always watched what I've said. But I can't say certain words around people because then they get so sensitive and it's not even a curse word or nothing. And then they don't, you know they're they're gonna look at you in a negative light, and then that that rumor's gonna be spread. It's like it's like the politics thing, basically. You know, if you if you're you know people are sensitive over politics too, and that's another thing. You know, I'll get into that a little bit. Politic, you know, people in this generation with politics and sensitivity. Politics rules a lot of things for some people, and to me, that is just darn right stupid. That's just darn stupid. Because you're letting relationships pass you by, you're letting job opportunities pass you by. <clears throat> Excuse me, if for employers that value a political bias, they're not hiring employees. Just because an employee could have a PhD and their major could be a five-star candidate, but you're going to take a four-star candidate that's, okay, let's say like they're huge Republicans, the company is, and they're going to take a four-star Republican over a five-star Democrat because of their political views. Now, now, obviously, this is wrong in the nation. We all know this because there's been lawsuits and people have won and stuff like that. Yes. But. Polit- politics is a very sensitive topic. We know this. Politics should be gone from the equation because all it does is cause fights. Everyone always gets upset. It ruins a lot of things. Tears families apart. And, you know, politics in that in this generation is a different different um, topic for a different day. People can't joke around with people anymore. And to me, that's sad. That's taking the fun out of being with someone. If you cannot say something that is going to hurt someone just because you know they're so stinking sensitive... I've got, I, you know, pe- people need to 
I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say grow up here because that just doesn't sound right. I'm just gonna say grow up, honestly. Because people should not people should not be so sensitive anymore. You lose friendships over people's sensitivity. Heck, you lose relationships over sensitivity. You say something the wrong way. Like over a text, for example. If you text someone something, like let's say your significant other, you text someone something funny and they take it the complete wrong way and then you have to try and explain it and yet they don't want to hear it, hear it and they're done with you. That 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 is exactly what I'm talking about. That That is exactly what I'm talking about. That's too sensitive. You need to ask, okay, did you mean this or did you mean that? People have got to start asking questions and yet people got to... People have got to start asking questions and asking for clarification. Because it's not going to work if we just take one assumption, think it's bad, and then, excuse me, and then don't do anything. Or then ruin it. Ruin it for everyone involved. I'm not going to deny that. You're going to ruin everything for you and that other person if you take it the wrong way and not ask for clarification. It's just simple. You know, it's almost like it's it's getting to a point now to where I don't really hang out with people that are super sensitive. You know, I I get, I get annoyed with such sensitivity anymore because it's not fun to be sensitive. I'm going to be honest with you, it's not fun to be sensitive. I I used to be a really sensitive person. I used to be a very sensitive person. And I used to take stuff to heart all the time. Well, I don't. You know, I've I'm not gonna say I don't. There's some. There's still times where I do. Yes. But I don't take it to heart as much as I used to anymore because I know I can dissect it and I can ask for clarification. You know, I'll ask people, "Hey, did you really mean that?" And then they'll be like, "No, I was just messing." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's good." Or if they say yes, they'll be like, oh, "Okay, then why'd you say that?" Or something like that. You know, you at you ask for clarification and then change your response based on their answer. It's as simple as that. You know, whenever I've been in relationships, I've learned this from my past relationships. Ask for clarification and communicate thoroughly. That is the biggest thing I can stress to people. Don't be so sensitive and caught up in the moment of the language. And what I mean by that, don't take the contents, context of what is said and make it negative or... At, or you know, th- or th- think of what, um, what I'm trying to say. Don't make it negative and don't take it one way, okay? If you take it only a singular direction, you're asking for either the best response possible or the worst response possible. You really need to, you really need to consider both ways. Ask for clarification and don't be so sensitive anymore. Because if you're sensitive, you're going to miss out a bunch of opportunities. Whether it's an employer, relationships, um, friends, family. It's okay to be sensitive every once in a while, okay? You can't be sensitive all the time because then no one's going to want to be with you. You can't always just put on this shroud put on this hoodie and be like okay 
I'm going to be super sensitive right now, or I just don't want to talk with anybody or anything, you know, or you know, whatever the case may be. Don't be like that. Just tone it down a bit. Have fun. Have fun. Laugh. Watch sports. Whatever makes whatever makes you have a great time. Have fun with it. That's the best that I can say right now is have fun with everything because life is short. Let's not deny that. Life is short. Very, very short. You know, I've got a bunch of stuff going on in my life that I don't really want to share right now. Mac knows this. Uh, you know, some of my close friends know this. Um, you know what's going on in my life, at least. I'm not going to share that because, to me, I'm keeping that close to my heart. And I know who to share to and who not to share to. I am sensitive in some aspects when it comes to people talking about my family. Um, people that I know that are my great friends. And people that criticize me. I'm sensitive over that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I'm a fun, uh, basketball-passionate guy. I love to joke around, crack jokes, go out to eat, play basketball, go bowling, video games, you know, all, all that fun stuff. That's me, basically. Except roller coasters. I don't do roller coasters. You know, I love Disney, but I don't do the roller, co the roller coasters because, you know, I don't like fast-moving rides. My point to a bunch of people... It's just don't be so sensitive. This generation is really sensitive to the point where we can't say certain words to them because then it'll flip out and, um, you know, the police will get involved because someone said, you know, abuse instead of, uh, um, you know, obviously fighting's not a better word, but abuse is one. Um, people don't know if you're kidding or not. We're, gro we're growing up in a place where anything can be subject to getting in legal trouble anymore. Like if you, fig I don't want to say figuratively say, but like if you if you're joking with someone that says, "Oh yeah, I want to I want to kill myself right now," I mean obviously I don't literally mean that, but someone's going to be so sensitive and say, "Oh my gosh, she's thinking about doing it. I better call the cops." No, I don't literally mean that. Okay, that's not that's not what I'm talking to you about. Honestly, that's not what should be happening. That's not, um, it's not, it's not really the best look for you and your personality, not really your personality, but just, just not a great look for you. If you want me to be honest, some people in this world, which I'm trying to just pull that one out, edit that out here a second. This, th this generation is being really sensitive to certain words that I used to use as I was growing up in high school and middle school. And it's disheartening to see that we're growing up in a world where you have to protect everyone at any given time. You can't say certain words to people because then they'll get heartbroken or it's or it's a, a legal tragedy or whatever the case may be. Just grow up, people. Like seriously, I don't I don't I don't like hearing that some guy or um 
You know, the, the Anheuser-Busch thing. You know, to me, that was just flat stupid. You're taking, you're basing a guy off of tweets from eight years ago that, yes, were wrong in racial, but that was eight years ago. You can't base that off of what he did in his past to say, okay, this guy's a racist. You can't, you can't do that, okay? That, that was very wrong of Anheuser-Busch. I'm just going to be flat honest. That was very wrong of them. People are going back and looking at people's other previous information and tweets and posts and all this other stuff and then basing an opinion off of their past and putting it into their future self or that future person and say, okay, this person said that six years ago. He's still this person today. No, okay? You can't say that because people lose a lot of endorsements and uh, great opportunities and they lose a bunch of things because you're going to go back and look at their past and say, okay, he said this. You can't hire him because he said this six years ago. No, you can't do that. It's honestly bad for this generation for us to be walking into and um, just saying things that we can't really say stuff in public because people are going to have an outcry over it. And it's disheartening because it's taking the fun out of life. I just want people to have fun, but not be sensitive when people are having, but not be sensitive and saying, you know, it's, it, yes, I understand making fun of, you know, bullying is something that is not right. Cause I dealt with bullying throughout high school and middle school. I was bullied so much, you know, it's made me a better person today that's why i am doing stuff like this and on a tv show and then eventually on a radio show and hopefully youtube series stuff like that okay this is why i'm doing this kind of stuff because it has shaped me to who i am today and it has made me a better person i understand sensitivity when it comes to be making made fun of because you can only take it a certain bit and then you're finally just going to say you know what I've had enough, okay? And you're going to lash out and people are going to, you know, get scared and then you're going to get in trouble and, th and then they are not, okay? That, that That is a problem that I have with society is that the people that do not um, cause everything don't get in trouble. The people that cause everything don't get in trouble and the people that are hurt and yet lash out at the people that cause all the pain and the suffering get in trouble because they lashed out to me that is wrong to me that is unfair that it's injustice and to me it needs to be fixed okay that needs to be fixed 100% we need to be less sensitive as a generation and as teachers and students because in high school people are flat you know I feel me flat out they're babied they're babied in high school to not believe, hey, we need to be this certain way. We can't say these words because, you know, we'll get in big, big trouble. Well, that's because you're teaching them to not to say those words because that's your belief. Don't do that. Okay? Soon enough, these guys are, these, these men and women in high school are going to be adults. Okay? And then this world is going to be a world where you can't do literally anything. Heck, if you push or... Heck, if you two-hand tap someone, you're going to immediately be sent to jail for 10 years. 
You probably can't. Even, you probably wouldn't even be, be probably wouldn't even be able to play uh, two tap football because then some guy is going to call the cops because he got hit or or he, or he got pushed, even though it's the object of the game. He's going to fight somebody because he got pushed. Okay. That's what's wrong with society now. If we're getting pushed around and having to, you know, I and like I said, I understand if it's happened for so long and stuff. I get that, okay? And then there's a reason to lash out. But you can't be so sensitive to the point where, okay, he pushes me one time, I'm going to just beat the living crap out of him. You know, you can't, you can't do that, okay? Or if it's, you know, girls fighting, you know, okay, oh, I'm going to pull her hair. She says one thing to me. I understand if it's building up. But you can't, you can't really do that. I understand words have become more of break your bones. People used to say Stick and, sticks and stones can break my words, but word, sticks and stones used to break my bones, but words can't hurt me. Well, now it's sticks and stones don't break my bones, but words hurt me. We're taking that saying and flipping it around 100% to where we have become probably the most sensitive generation and probably country in the world. And it's not healthy for anybody. Because we're seeing so many fights in the world nowadays, whether it's over political stuff or uh, spouses getting into it and then divorce. That's you know, that's honestly a big reason why divorces are up. Divorce rates up over 50% is, is because people are so, so, so stinking sensitive because you got couples getting married at, you know, the early mid twenties and then they don't like that. They're you know, doing all this stuff living together. And then they have to go get a divorce because they're getting too sensitive of everything. Stop what you're doing. Talk it out and work around it. It's as simple as that. That's, that's literally it. My advice is generation is sensitivity. Ask for clarification and then respond accordingly. Okay? That's the best I can give you. That's the best advice I can give this generation. We need to quit being so sensitive to certain words, blow it off, and just have fun. Because we're not having fun. We're taking we're getting into too much of what a word means instead of what the actual purpose of it means. Okay? We're getting into too much of what, okay, this guy called me stupid. Okay? Did he really mean it or did he not mean it? You know? If you don't know, ask. Otherwise, don't assume he actually called you stupid when he's just messing around with you. Okay? Be smart with it. Have fun. Have fun. That is legit it. Just have fun. That's all I can really recommend to you guys. It's just having fun and not taking things so personal. Don't be so sensitive. Have fun. Okay? Just have fun, guys. All right. That's going to wrap up today's fourth episode of Baller's Paradise Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and my little spiel on sensitivity in this generation and along with the other things that I discussed today. So... Make sure you guys reach out to me at A-R-B-O-G-A-A-R underscore 2020 on Twitter at A-R-B-O underscore 2020 on Instagram. And, um, you know, guys, we'll try and get the website up. I think we're going to get it up here within the next couple of days. Um, 
you know, have fun, guys. Literally, just have fun. Don't be so sensitive. Enjoy the podcast. You know, this will be our, our fourth episode up now. Have a great day, guys.